Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. For a long time, money was this long underlying stressor in my life. I didn't even realize it. So that's why I likened it to financial wellness, just like you would, you know, speak of your 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 physical wellness. Hello and welcome to the In For A Penny podcast, hosted by me, Josh Gersler, a chartered financial planner and owner of The Orchard Practice, and co-hosted by Mark Schoffman, a personal finance journalist. We're here to simplify all things personal finance and money related in the hope that you'll be able to learn one small thing each episode, which helps improve your life and have some fun whilst you listen to us. Hit the subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. A quick book recommendation for you. I'm reading at the moment Up the Organisation by Robert Townsend. Now, this book was written like 30 or 40 years ago, but still very interesting. He transformed Avis, the car rental company, but it's about how to um, stop a corporate entity becoming just too bureaucratic. So if you like that type of thing, have a read. I'm halfway through it at the moment. If you're listening to this and you've not yet left us a review, please do so. It lets us know you're enjoying what you hear and gives us the motivation to carry on putting content out there for you. So, in for a penny, listeners, I give you the latest episode. Hello, I'm joined today by Melanie Eusebi, who has written a book recently, her new book, and it's called Financial Wellness and How to Find It. How are you, Melanie? I am well. Thank you for having me so much. I understand you are today sitting in an exotic location. Tell our uh, tell our listeners where you are. Yes, I am sitting in Barbados. So it's quite an odd story. Um, it was in the beginning of the the pandemic. I well, not in the beginning of the pandemic. Right in the middle of the pandemic, I my father had just passed away, and I'm a diversity kind of practitioner and George Floyd had just been murdered and I had had enough. I would, I was already done. I was, you know, just kind of single in my flat with my dog locked up working. And then I said, you know, I want to go to Barbados um, for a few weeks. So I went there. I originally had a plan for a two week holiday in Barbados. And uh, two (laughs) years later, (laughs) I'm partly based here uh, with my partner and have a baby. And life has changed during a pandemic. So yes, I do. Uh, part of my time, I'm here. And then most of my time, I, I work in the UK. So you're in Barbados and I am in Boreham Wood. I think you win. <laughs> yes, Boreham Wood. I do like Boreham Wood, though. It's a nice place, to, nice nice part of the earth to live in. Oh, you're saying all the right things today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so your, your book that um, is just, is it out now or is it about to come out? It is out now. It's out now for everyone to to purchase. So the the premise is about the way we think about money. Do you want to do you want to tell us a bit about what inspired you to write the book? 
Most definitely. And yes, it is about the way we think about money. So it's fairly international. It's global. So you may detect I was born in London, but raised in Canada. This book is not about kind of the financial instruments. It's not about, you know, checking accounts and savings accounts and ISAs and things of the like. It's more about your personal relationship with money so that it doesn't stress you out. Because for a long time, money was this long underlying stressor in my life. I didn't even realize it. And so that's why I likened it to financial wellness, just like you would, you know, speak of your 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 physical wellness. And it's about your relationship. It's not about the destination. It's not about being debt free. It's not about being, you know, kind of coming into a lot of money and making more money. It's about, okay, well, how do you day to day interact with your money? How do you day to day interact with the economy? And how do you feel about it? How do you de-stress it so that it's your, you're just on your learning journey? It's not, you know, kind of there's no, and you're trying to de-shame it and demystify it as well. So that's what the book is about. It's about just looking at finances in a different way because quite frankly, I think it was an FT article, it was an FT special kind of um, set of articles a few years ago that money is the biggest stressor for everybody. Doesn't matter what income you're on right now. Doesn't matter what class you're from. Money is just a constant underlying stress. So how do we take the stress away from that? Fantastic. And I think, um, I mean, it's such an important message because a lot of people don't realize that we're not all the same and we don't all have to do the same thing so we don't all have to have a job that earns a certain salary a house worth a, a certain amount go to certain restaurants holidays and that can cause a lot of people worry stress anxiety where you've got to take a step back and say hang on a minute i'm i'm not playing the same game as them my life is completely different how do i feel about money Yes, most definitely. And it's it's also about, yes, finding your own journey, your own learning journey. And unfortunately, for most of us, money is a learning journey. Our finances, and when I say a learning journey, I mean that, you know, we're not born with the knowledge of how to invest for our retirement in the womb. We have to learn these things. And, and for most of us, we didn't learn these things in school, like there's not a course that teaches you about kind of your practical money matters. So you're coming into it quite blind unless, you know, your your caregivers, your parents or the people around you kind of invested that information in you. Um, most of us learn by some sort of osmosis. And, and, and it's tough because there's a lot of shame around that. You know, even people who work in financial services, I'm I'm one of them you would think we would know all about our personal finances. And, and that's simply not the case. A lot of the people that I work with are actually, you know, working in financial services. So making a lot of money, but not learning how to relate to it, how to manage it, how to kind of use it effectively. You had the, the thought process, the inspiration to write the book, but how did you go about telling the story? How did you know what you were talking about to put it across to other people? You know what? Um, that's a really great question, actually, because, you know, I was crap with money. <laughs> Let's keep it. I worked in a bank from the age of 16, 17, really, really young. I was working, you know, right at the front lines. I was in the call centers, working in the branch, counting in the money. And so, you know, what happens is that you just kind of think that you kind of know money, you know, money more than most people. But um, what happened, how it, this specific book came about was that I started to um, go to my friend's house and we used to watch Real Housewives of Atlanta together. Oh, classic. And 
I know we're gonna, hey, this is actually part of the story. It's part of the story. It's all right. It's all right. I'm, I'm past that. <laughs> like, but what? And um, every week she would say, do you mind if I just work on my computer? I'm just going to do my, my receipts and my expenses. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And so she would bring out her expenses and she would just do little things, you know, like on the computer. We're still having conversations, still having wine, still having to laughs at the TV, but she was doing it. And then I said, wait a minute, what are you doing? And so I started doing it. She's like, you and then I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then we started to invite more friends over. And then all of a sudden, we started calling them budget parties. Okay. And every week, we would do our budgets and drink wine and watch Real Housewives of Atlanta or listen to music because, you know, it's only an hour-long episode. And it would actually be an evening. So it was almost like a monthly, bi-monthly kind of thing or every two months where we would get together and just talk about our finances. And when you start to talk about your finances, that means you start to talk about, you know, how much you're paying for things. You start comparing. You start talking about your goals, what you want to invest in, your savings. And then all of a sudden, it just became this party. And so I it changed my world. It really changed my world in terms of just kind of up-leveling how I thought about money. It de-stressed it for me. Number one, there was no shame. You know, there was no playing around. Like we were, we were very open with our finances. All of us were making very different amounts of money as well. And so I started doing that. I, I created a group called Money Moves and that's, um, where literally I would have, I'm a professor at a uni. And so I would kind of hire out one of the uni classes and I would just do the exact same thing. I would play hip hop and R&B, have snacks, have drinks and have like a chartered accountant come in or have a mortgage advisor come in or, you know, and it would just grow from this group of ladies where it was like three or four. And all of a sudden it was like 50, all of a sudden it was hundreds. And I had to kind of plan it. And then um, a, a Meg is a woman who wrote for a magazine, Red Magazine, she said, Mel, you need to write about this. This is fantastic. I'm like, oh, okay. So I wrote an article about it. And then that's how the editor of um, from the publishing company said, you know what, actually, this is a book. And I'm like, okay, cool. Amazing. And it was about financial, well, because it wasn't, so the, and that was the key thing about it. Even though, yes, we were talking about financial instruments in the UK and in Canada, where I held them and in New Orleans, we, the, but the general thing was taking the shame away from money, like just taking this, like being able to talk about it, just talk about how much money you were spending. Like one woman was like, I have a budget for my household, but as soon as my child asks me for something, Amazon Prime, that's yeah. it. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. I have no budget on Amazon Prime for my child and it's <laughs> killing me. And, you know, things like that, or this is how much I'm paying for a mobile phone bill or I get bills in the mail and I literally don't look at them and I put them in a pile until I get red notices, even though you make six figures. Like things like that were all coming out and it was wonderful to see. So that's how the book came about, really. Do you find, or did you find when you were having these uh, budget parties that the shame or the embarrassment, was it always about spending or were people ever, was it also about what people are earning? They felt too little or too much. Or too much, almost definitely. The shame was all over the place. There's shame all over money. It doesn't. So certainly about how much you make. So whether it was too much or too little. Um, too much meaning I make so much money and I'm not doing enough with it, or I make so much money in relation to my friends or my 
peer group. So how do I handle that? I make so much, you know, so it was both ends of the spectrum um, in regards to how much people make, uh, whether it be uh, too much or too little in their eyes. It was um, all over the place in regards to from the young age of 23 graduating from university uh, and, and having loans and, you know, signing up for so many credit cards and then all this and not really understanding that, you know, post uni, I'm going to have to pay those back all the way through to, you know, I'm um, 45. I work for a premier global wealth manager that we all know. And I only paid off my last credit card at 44. Like I've always been in debt. So it it was universal. And that was the horribly beautiful thing about it. And when I say it's horrible because it didn't matter who they were. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, it was beautiful because we were able to create a space where you were able to speak about these things. When I first started out in this um, line of work or this profession, I was surprised that people who work in financial services that I thought were, uh, or that are the sort of the, the the big cheeses, the people have big money, but they don't know how to handle their own money. It's a very interesting concept. We get a lot of people like investment bankers and people that are earning bonuses in the millions. But yet, like you say, they might still have a credit card debt that they don't need to have and they might be leaving all the money in the bank when they should be investing it so it, it's it is very interesting that people that there is no um education about this stuff unless you come from a family that talks about it or you've got friends that talk about it really you're on your own here so to have something like money moves is fantastic for for people most definitely and it's in like the suppliers that i would have visit they were teachers they weren't selling the ladies their services and that's why i always advocate and actually it wasn't only ladies i should i i, I negate the men in my group um but they weren't selling their services they were ultimately teachers they were they were and there's a difference i think um I remember when I started um, teaching at uni, the dean told me an amazing piece of advice. He's like, you know, as a consultant, because I used to be a consultant for EY and IBM and Accenture, um, you're responsible for showing the client how much you know yeah. and selling services. But as a professor, you're responsible for depositing what you know into the students. And it's a very different approach. And so when I, I always advocate, when people are looking for financial services, kind of um, uh, professionals to work with, make sure you're getting someone who wants to deposit the information to you, who's not kind of taking your finances over into a black box and you still feel as ignorant. You still feel like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. You don't want to end up like Rihanna, you know, making up songs about her account, how much her accountant took from her because she didn't have a clear handle on her finances. So you want to be... I don't know that one. Um, it's called... Itch, better have my money. Itch, better have my money. <laughs> yes, itch, <laughs> better have my money. Okay. So yes, and it's a whole video and you can kind of tell it's an accountant looking kind of guy <laughs> in the video as well. But that whole song is about the fact that her accountant was stealing money from her. And so not saying that accountants are bad because I have a beautiful accountant and we not only, like he not only does kind of bookkeeping and things of the like and files my taxes, 
But what most importantly, what the parts I enjoy the most are when we sit down for maybe like every quarter, sometimes every month, depending on the season, and we talk and I ask him questions. I'm like, okay, so why do I have to pay for taxes next year? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> every year it's the same question. <laughs> but I can ask him these questions and again and again, the same question. <laughs> and it's yeah. okay because he's mine and it's my service and he's giving me what I need, you know? I so, I feel when I'm sitting with clients and and the families that I look after, I when they say to me, oh, I trust you, just do what you want to do. I don't like that. You know, I, I do like the fact that they trust me, but it's important to me they understand what I'm doing and what I'm recommending for them. Exactly. Um, and I don't like it when I'm speaking to a professional who uses jargon and, and words that don't mean anything to me and don't take the time to explain it. You just feel there's this tiny bit there that why can't they bring it down to my level? Exactly. Exactly. And so, and that's uh, like, I, uh, part of de-shaming money is about working with financial services professionals, right? So I have, I'm all for, I love the services. I'm a services girl. I have a financial coach. <laughs> I have an accountant, you know, I have a wealth planner, like a financial management, like, you know, I, and I've chosen them and I've gone through them until I could kind of pinpoint exactly what I needed from them. And it's not necessarily just capability. Yeah. It was also yeah. their, their manner in regards to sharing information with me and making me feel comfortable because it's an important part of managing your finances, right? Like I, this is, and this is, you know, guys just want to say like the orchard practice is not paying me for this. This is not, but I, like it's the fact is that even the fact that we're having this conversation on a podcast, that's the kind of service that you're looking for in general. Like you yeah. want to be looking for people who are trying to educate you, who are looking for what's out there in the market for you. Um, and because that's, you wouldn't, you know, if your head is hurting, if your brain is hurting, you wouldn't try to perform the surgery yourself. You don't have the depth of knowledge. And it's just like that with money. So you go to a doctor, you go to a surgeon, you go to someone that you trust and they'll help you. And it's the same thing with financial services professionals. They'll have more depth, more knowledge. But in the end, they're going to have to explain to you why they're operating on your brain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Melanie, you're a um, bit of a big deal. You have an MBE, if I'm not mistaken. I do I do I do have an MBE? What's uh, tell us a bit about that? How did that come about? <laughs> it is for services to diversity in business. So I'm at the core of everything I do: money moves, financial wellness, uh, the the diversity kind of initiatives that I've worked on and created. It's all for me about economic empowerment, and it's all about like it, like there's. It may seem like I've, you know, been an executive producer of a global women's festival, or I've been a chair and founder of a business awards program, business diversity awards program. But at the end of it, it's all about economic empowerment. Um, it's about how do we, you know, we're not, we're gone are the days where we're kind of lynching black people in the streets. And gone are the days where we're, you know, kind of where women aren't allowed to vote. There is a deeper integration and that we and, and a deeper kind of um, 
inclusion that we need and it's economic inclusion. It's how do we make the same amount of money? How do we have the same amount of opportunities? And so that is what I've been kind of fighting for my whole life. And so that hence the the MBE that I was awarded uh, two years ago now, I guess, almost two years ago. Did you get to go to uh, the palace for that? I did. I did. I did. It was um, so I was the last set of the Queen's honors um, before she passed. And so I my um, actual uh, ceremony was with um, King Charles. And so we did get to do that at at Windsor Castle. And so um, it's, it's been wonderful. And ever since then, it's almost being kind of ambassador. Um, King Charles has always been that guy, that business diversity guy. Like if you get in, in terms of some of the initiatives that we, you know, that like the princess, the princess trust and things like he's always been that guy. So I've been able to, I get to go to receptions and and meet people and things of the like um, through that. Through Not that, bad. Not bad. yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's wonderful. It really is. What um one money lesson would you like to share with our listeners? Something you've learned over the years that you think might help people listening to this podcast. It's going to sound weird, but the one money lesson is probably that there is not one money lesson. So yeah. there's not a silver bullet. Uh, it, it's a series of habits, um, kind of money and and health are a series of habits that you practice every day, just like James Clear and Atomic Habits. Um, so it's a best-selling book. Yeah. It's something that you do every day and you're on a learning journey. So just like if you're practicing yoga, if you're strength training in the gym, if you are um, eating for health, uh, that you you have to take steps, gentle little steps every day and you're learning stuff every day. And so it, that may make it seem like it's like, oh, Mel, that is so long. It is. But what it also means is that it's a series of small little things that you do. It's not big things. Like it's not necessarily yeah. big things and, and big time investment as well. In the beginning, you may have to put investment of time into kind of creating a budget or something like that, or maybe sitting down and thinking about your life goals um, and how you're going to fund them. And that will probably take a few hours, but after that it's maintenance and it's a learning journey. So I would say the biggest lesson is to see your financial wellness, your financial health, your finances as a learning journey that um, I think in the book, Millionaire Women Next Door, uh, Thomas Stanley says that millionaires spend on average uh, four hours, four to five hours a month on their finances. So if you want to get that millionaire status, you may want to up those hours a little bit. <laughs> you know, you wanna... And so you're thinking, what are they doing for four to five hours, right? Like they got a budget. But it takes longer to count, there. doesn't it, when you got more? It's... It does not necessarily, <laughs> right? Like he just, no, it's just like, being silly. Yeah. <laughs> like he just, they, they're, they're refining, they're maintaining, they're looking for new deals, they're, you know, investigating opportunities, they're renewing contracts, they're, they're doing all kinds of things. Um, um, so being wealthy is not what we see on social media channels at all. Being wealthy is, you know, again, if you look at those books, The Millionaire Women Next Door, The Millionaire Next Door, then it can be about, you know, 
having one credit card and it's your John Lewis credit card, having your used car and in your medium house in your medium neighborhood where you can where you can have access to cheap goods. But then you're looking at the back end of these the finances of these people and they are like millions in assets. So I think that's the one secret I would say is that they had to learn that. And I want us to kind of see our money. Money is a learning journey. Perfect. So Melanie, if anyone wants to get hold of a copy of your book or to find out a bit more about you, what's the best way to do that? Well, my website is melanieusabi.com. Um, so it's just my name. And then I think uh, updating the book page right now so you can look there. But my book can be found in any good bookstore where you buy books. So whether it be W.H. Smith, um, Waterstones, Foils, and of course, Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> the big one. <laughs> the big one. <laughs> um, anything else you want to chat about, Melanie? Um. I, I just want to make sure I really want to reiterate to everyone that no matter what your financial situation is, that please don't feel shame. My biggest group of people, client, like when I say like corporates sign me up is financial services clients. I mean, financial services people. So people who, you know, financial services actually probably makes up the brunt of my income for financial wellness <laughs> coaching. So, and I, 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 so I have a special call out to those who have worked in the city of London to have worked in these, you know, work managing budgets, million pound budgets for firms and things of the like that it, you know, it's okay because we've never got taught to manage our finances personally. And that is a very different deal than managing it corporately so do not feel shame at that quite frankly you guys are my biggest kind of my biggest fans and i uh yes so don't let that hold you back that don't and don't let that shame hold you back lovely well thank you for joining us today melanie we know you've only got a month left or so of your maternity leave so we'll let you enjoy that whilst you can before you, you get back to reality thank you thank you so much Please remember, anything discussed in this episode shouldn't be taken as financial advice. But if you do need support, feel free to contact us on Twitter. You can reach me at Mark Schoffman and Josh at Josh Gersler. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Please leave us a review on your podcasting app. That helps people find us and lets us know you're enjoying what you hear. So thank you for being in for a penny. <laughs> <laughs>